Thank you. Well, it's great to be here. My wife and I, we love coming to Ellerslie. We love our church. We love our pastors. We so appreciate the, uh, the, the good teaching that we get here. Uh, we, you know, when we come to a hard passage, our pastors don't duck. They don't fluff. They teach the word, and I love that. And uh, mostly my wife and I, we go to traditions. We serve on the worship team there, and so we don't always come to this service, but I'm glad to see all of you this morning. And uh, glad to be here today. Excited about the baptisms coming up on Easter Sunday. Ten. Ten baptisms, maybe more. That's, that's very exciting. Praise God for that. Well, as uh, your pastor said, uh, the, uh, this is the Baptist General Conference of Canada that we are part of. Ellerslie is one of our, our, our stalwart congregations, has been for many years. Ed and Jan sitting down here, they've been leading this church for many years in the past and done a great job of bringing the church and the conference together. And we're so thankful for you and your support, your prayers, all that you give to the work of God. And uh, so the BGC, you know, we're, you're part of it. Uh, this church is one of our 130 churches. It goes from Vancouver Island all the way to Halifax. And uh, we are excited about what God is doing in our conference, even during this time of COVID. So we are, what are we trying to do here in Canada? Well, we want to promote healthy churches, first of all. We want to, uh, to make sure that our pastors coming out of COVID and our boards and our staff teams are well positioned to lead well as uh, slowly the regulations are easing across the country and we're getting more and more opportunity to worship together. That's great. And so we don't want to just go back to how it was two years ago because maybe there's some things that God has taught us and shown us that we need to incorporate into our ministry so that we can reach more people for Christ and disciple more of our own people. We're also planting new churches all across the country, Vancouver, Saskatoon, Winnipeg, in the East Coast, uh, and all many other places across the country. The BGC is planting churches even during COVID, and we're seeing God use the, the church planting ministry to continue. I've also had the joy of serving as our president uh, of our seminary, which is Canadian Baptist Seminary. It's located on the campus of Trinity Western University in Langley, uh, BC. And so uh, great, good things are happening at our seminary. We have brought a new degree forward that we are introducing into our, into our ACTS consortium of seminaries there. We have uh, our national uh, board has voted to subsidize and give bursaries to our pastors and leaders who want to come take a class at CBS. And so we're excited to see that the seminary is moving forward. Uh, I was talking with our executive director of the ACTS, uh, like there's four schools that have gone together. They're the Associated Canadian Theological Seminaries, and, and so we're one of those four, Canadian Baptist Seminary. But with the four schools, this last September, we had 451 students enrolled at ACTS. And that's uh, not full-time, of course. People just taking one class or two classes. But 451 people all across uh, uh, the, the Acts Consortium. And so just by headcount, uh, that's the third largest seminary in Canada. And so what a joy it is to be part of leading that and training people for the Lord's work. I've also been asked to speak about missions today, which, of course, I'm delighted to do. 
And the BGC is not just doing things in Canada. We're also busy in the Great Commission around the world. We have uh, a a desire to work in missions with our national churches that are existence. We also are sending more people from Canada. We'd love to pray. And if you're thinking about missions, we'd love to pray with you and help you with that. One thing that uh, I did was asked that uh, Pastor Russ asked me to talk about this morning was our, our, our ministry into Iran. So we have, uh, uh, and, and of course our mission statement goes right along with this, that we are, uh, as a BGC, we are building a network of churches that make disciples who live and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ in their community, in Canada, and then the nations. So Ellerslie, you're one of them, of this network. So delighted that you are. So what are we doing in Iran? Well, before COVID, we were bringing people out of Iran and into Uh, Armenia. So you see the country of Iran down at the bottom of the screen there, and then that orange country in the middle, a little country called Armenia. What is it about Armenia? Well, all of that area is Muslim, except for Armenia and then the little country above it called Georgia. Those are two little Christian countries in the midst of this huge Islamic population. And so in Armenia, there's freedom to worship and to have church. So we made a connection with the church network there, got their camp, and started doing ministry. We would secretly bring people out of Iran by bus into Armenia, and then train them and then send them back. But when COVID came, we could no longer continue to do that. And so the Lord opened the door for us to have a satellite TV ministry into Iran. So you see the, there, there's a studio in BC where I've recorded sermons that get translated into Farsi and a bunch of our other pastors and teachers and missionaries have been doing lessons. And we've been getting such a huge response from uh, inside Iran that the satellite TV station said to us, hey, we're, we're, we're getting too many calls for our staff to handle it. Can you take the, the, uh, the calls and, the, and follow up that's coming from your broadcast? So you see where that black arrow is? That's uh, the capital city of Yerevan, which is in Armenia. The BGC and the House of Omid, we've gone together. We bought a house, a six-bedroom house, and we're going to turn it into a respite center where Iranian believers can come into Armenia, be loved and cared and prayed for, discipled, taught, and then sent back home. So previously, before COVID, we were just doing it once in the summer. But now we're going to have a round-year ministry in this uh, capital city of Yerevan. Yerevan's a fascinating place. You'd love to go there. When you look out your window, there's Mount Ararat right in front of you where the Bible says the ark landed after the flood. And, and Armenia's filled with great church history. So what do we want to do? We want BGC people, maybe you, maybe someone from this church will come and spend a couple of weeks there at this respite center and just loving and praying for these Iranian believers. Here's a picture of them uh, in, our, in our ministry that we had in the summer in, uh, in Armenia. They, they just love to sing and worship. Because see, in Iran, you, you can't convert from, to, from Islam. It, it's against the law. If you convert, change from Islam to Christianity, you can be expelled from university, you can be fired from your job, you can be arrested, put in prison, even put to death. 
And so these believers are doing these small little house churches, five, six people at one, in one little cell group. So what a joy it was for them to come into Armenia, to sing and worship, to raise their hands, to, to uh, worship loudly and freely and sing at the top of their lungs. Because in their house church, they have to worship like this because they don't want the neighbors to hear them singing and be turned in by the neighbors. So uh, they just loved coming. And so we were doing this training and teaching. But you know what? Some of the people that were in this group, when they went back to Iran, uh, they were arrested and found out. And you see them here on the, in the ladies down on her knee there in the red top and her husband's behind her in the gray. They were arrested interrogated harshly, put in jail for 30 days, separated, and questioned, who are the other Christians you know? See, that's one of the reasons why they keep the cell group small, because when you do get arrested, you don't know a lot of other Christians. And when the pressure gets too great in interrogation, you might give up more names. So they keep the house churches pretty compartmentalized so that people don't, you know, they don't have that pressure of giving too many names. When this couple was released from prison, they had to put their house up as collateral for when they were coming on bail and they're going to come to trial in a few months. And so they contacted us and they said, we are just defeated, beat. We, we, can you help us get out of Iran? And so the House of Omid and us, we secretly brought them out of Iran. I'll, I can tell you the story later, but we brought them into a neighboring country. And there you see them at the airport, landed. And now they have to apply for refugee status to come to Canada or to some other country. So the BGC is at work doing missions around the world and delighted that you are part of it. So let me switch then to what we want to talk about this morning about, uh, about missions. And of course, if you have a good biblical worldview, then missions flows right out of that. If you don't have an understanding of what God is trying to do in the world and what your role in that is, then missions might seem a little bit odd or strange to you. But so I want you this morning to open up your heart and ask yourself about your own worldview. Of course, the worldview is that, that orientation of our heart that gives us the foundation for how we look at life and how we you know, function in the world in which we're living. The biblical worldview would say that we are, that the world it was made by God, but it's lost, it's fallen, it's broken. Their sin has entered the world. God made a beautiful world. It was perfect. And when he finished creation, he said, it's very good. But you know, right away, sin entered the world and Adam and Eve fell. And took the whole human race with them. And so the world is lost. It's fallen. But God loves the world. And God is on mission now to redeem people and creation back to himself. When Adam and Eve sinned, God didn't just stay up in heaven and say, oh, they've blown it. I'm going to leave them. What happened? God came looking. Adam, Adam, where are you? And God has been looking for human people ever since that time. He's been searching for you, for me, for everyone else to bring us back to himself. However, if you are living in the Western world, there's some competing worldviews that are crowding out the Christian or the biblical worldview. The modern world. Uh, you might remember from your high school history class, or a guy by the name of René Descartes, a French philosopher, and he was doubting the existence. You know, is the world real? Is this real? Am I real? And you remember what he said? 
well, wait, I'm thinking, so therefore I exist. So I think, therefore I am. And when he started to teach that and promulgate that, and other people picked it up, the, the focus of humans switched from what God said about us to what we thought about ourselves. Reason, enlightenment, individualism. And of course, out of that came uh, evolution a couple hundred years later. That, you know, it's now become the defining principle of the Western world is that things are just naturally improving. And so the modern worldview, but now we're living in a time called the postmodern worldview. See, in the 20th century, there was such horrible things that happened and postmodern thinkers were horrified when they looked at the world and said, world wars and genocide, pollution, climate refugees, uh, dictators, Hitler, Stalin, Mao, uh, all of the hatred in the world. And they said, this is what the modern world has produced. We don't want it. And the postmodern worldview says, we need to reject anybody that has certainty. If you think you've got the answer, if you think you have the solution, the postmodern rejects the meta-narrative. There's no grand story to explain life. The universe is random. And so when the Christian says what Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The postmodernist is suspicious right away and saying, wait, you're pretty certain. You're pretty sure of yourself. We came through this modern world and we saw all the mess that the modern world made. We reject certainty. We're all just kind of randomly here floating. As the famous uh, scientist who died a few years ago said, uh, we're just an advanced breed of monkeys on a minor planet of a very average star. There is no God, no one created the universe, and no one directs our fate. And so this worldview competes with the biblical worldview and this secular dominant worldview can distract you and maybe even discourage you and get you doubting well do what is what i believe is it right is it true is what i'm holding on to maybe all everywhere around me everyone's holding this other points of view well i wanted to uh, help us with some worldview this morning and then out of that comes the idea of mission so in the book of amos there's a great story Amos is a minor prophet from the Old Testament, and he, God uses a word picture here with Amos, and he says in Amos chapter 7, the Lord was standing by a wall that had been built true to plumb, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord asked me, what do you see, Amos? A plumb line. Then the Lord said, look, I am setting a plumb line among my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. So what is a plumb line? Well, you know, nowadays we use lasers and all kinds of electronic levels. We don't necessarily need to do this. But in ancient time, you had a, some kind of a string, a rope with a weight at the end. And gravity would let you know if your wall that you were building was crooked, if it was leaning, if it was tilting. The plumb line was true. The builder could complain and say, well, I don't think that the plumb line is right, but the wall would start teetering or falling if they didn't build it to plumb. And so God says, I'm dropping a plumb line here. My word. My word is the standard. My word is what we build our lives on. My word is what I am working through. That is the truth. You need to line up with the truth. Just like the builder has to line up to make sure they're, they're plumb, so it is with God. We have to line up with his word. 
And so Amos was a, a missionary. Did you know that? He was from the southern kingdom of Judah. He was a shepherd. He was busy in his life, busy in his occupation. But Amos chapter 1 verse 1 says that God called him. The message was given to Amos, a shepherd from the town of Tekoa in Judah. So he's in the southern kingdom and God wants him to go to the northern kingdom and bring his word to a people that were disobedient, a people that were straying away from following the true God. Now let me ask you something. We're thinking about missions. Could God call you from what you're doing now to serve him vocationally? I know we all serve the Lord. We all give our lives to the Lord and we serve him wherever we are, in our jobs, in our families, in our community. But could God also call you beyond that to say, I'm going to serve the Lord with my full life, with my full time? When we think about missions, there's kind of two postures that Christians have. I'm staying here, but I'm willing to go. But how about if we flip that on its head and say, I'm going, but I'm willing to stay here in Edmonton. But I'm going. I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord. The need is great. The mission, the call, the, the worldview. It's a lost and broken world, and, and God's calling me to be part of this. And do you know something? God has called many from Ellerslie into missions or pastoral work. We start naming names, but you know we can forget somebody pretty quick. But I saw the Rickards here just a minute ago. So if someone from their family, and Laura Russell and the Mearholms, Chris McClure, my my family, my children, and her, my grandkids go to the church where Chris is the pastor, just our south of here. He grew up here at Ellerslie. God has called, and over the years has called into this congregation, has tapped people and said, "I I need you to be serving me full time." I need you to go and be a pastor. I need you to go be a missionary. I need you to be involved in vocational service. Could God call you? Are you listening? Are you open? Have you considered it? Or is your posture, well, I'm staying. I'm willing to go. I'm going. But I'm willing to stay. So how do we get a biblical worldview? Well, of course, it's, it's shaped by focusing on the right things. And so the word of God always informs our decisions. The word of God always is the plumb line upon which we base our life on. If you are uh, following the world's way, you won't have that strong standard to build your life upon. Jesus said to the, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the, the wise man hears my words and builds his house on the rock, which is my sayings. And then when the storms of life come, it won't fall, it won't crash. The foolish person builds their life on the sand, and when the storms and the winds rise, the house collapses because it doesn't have a strong foundation. You gotta have a good worldview to be able to live and serve the Lord in this time. And so the Lord Jesus was asked by uh, someone that was trying to trap him. They said, what's the greatest commandment of all? And the Lord said, well, there's two. He could have said, you know what? There's 613 commands in the Old Testament. And they're all inspired by God. They're all equally important. But he 
taught us some hermeneutics here. He taught us some principles of interpretation. He said, well, there actually is two that are at the top of the list. The first one from Deuteronomy chapter 6, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is first and greatest. The second from Leviticus 19, love your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus taught us there's two things that are most important, to love God and love other people. And what is the best way to love your neighbor is to, well, you know, you can shovel their driveway, you can pick up their mail when they go on vacation, you can give a friendly wave, but isn't the best way to love your neighbor is to tell them about Christ, to tell them about who Jesus is. And that takes us to the next thing about the, how to get a biblical worldview is the Great Commission that we've been called. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. See, so we're, we're on mission with God. When you got saved, you were enrolled in a, in a mission outfit. And here's our task, is to bring the word of reconciliation. There's, of course, great theology behind this mission. God wants to rescue the lost for his glory. It's always for his glory. And so then a proper worldview aligns my thinking, my spending, my time priorities. It gives life purpose. It gives me reason to get up in the morning and keep going. Whether it's time of COVID, whether things are going well or things are going rough, my worldview informs my decision-making. How am I going to spend my time? Yeah, there's all kinds of interesting things to watch and, you know, movies and series and, and think, but is that the best use of my time? There's all kinds of things to spend my money on. But is, am I invested in the kingdom of God? Am I invested in seeing the Great Commission go forward? Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said, you are not your own. Therefore, glorify God in your body and spirit, which are God's. I've been bought with a price. It's the precious blood of our Lord. Next month when we celebrate Easter, we, we think about Jesus betrayed and falsely accused and beaten. Four times he was acquitted by Pilate. Pilate said, I find no fault in him. And yet each time, the crowd whipped it up, got, him, got, uh, got Pilate to change his mind. And the Lord became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. I was just reading in my devotions a couple of days ago. I was in my Bible reading part where I'm at the cross. And you know how they mocked him when he was on the cross. There he is, hanging between heaven and earth on the cross. The pain and suffering of the crucifixion. And then down below are the people mocking him. Ha, you said you were God. Well, come down off the cross. Then we'll believe you. And it was love that kept him there. It was to fill, fulfill the plan of salvation that kept him there, even when they mocked him. And in that moment, he was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Our pastor preached last Sunday about denying yourself and taking up your cross and following Jesus. And that's the call to all of us. We used to sing in camp, Though no one join me, still I will follow. And that still is a call to us to have a biblical worldview, and to be on mission with God. So what is the mission of God? Well, it's to reconcile. Martin Luther called it the Missio Dei, the mission of God. God is in the world 
ultimately wanting to restore people and creation back to himself. He started in the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 12, he called a man named Abraham. And Abraham, he said, I want you to leave your father's house, leave what's familiar, and go to a land that I will show you. Yeah, the mission. On mission with God. And he said, I'm going to make of you a great nation, Abraham. You're going to be a blessing to all the people of the world. Of course, referring to Jesus, who would be born out of the line of Abraham and Jacob and Isaac. The, uh, the, 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 the people of Israel were put in a place in the world right on all the trade caravan routes, all the, from going from Africa and Egypt and the Near East and into Europe. You had to pass through Israel. And so God put his people at a place where they would be a witness to the nations. As people would pass through, they'd see this temple and there's no idols here and there's only one God and his name is Yahweh and, and, and the message and the truth and the, and the knowledge of God was to spread throughout the known world. Israel could not live up to their calling and they had their worldview blended with the dominant worldview around them and they went into idolatry and God had to remove them from the land. But then later our Lord came, Jesus. He was the embodiment of the mission of God. Everything about him was wonderful. Don't you, don't you just love the Lord? Don't you just worship him and, 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 and adore him and sing to him and, and read his word and pray? Yeah, we, we just love him for, for all, what he's done. His teaching, his life, his healing, and of course, what he did on the cross. And while he was here, he was calling people to himself. But now he's gone back to heaven and his church has been left behind with this mission to continue the mission of God, to bring reconciliation to the world. It started in Genesis 12 with Abraham. It went through the Old Testament. Jesus came and showed us and the empowerment of the Spirit came and now the church is fully uh, functional and able to serve with all the gifting, with all the power, with the word of God, with all the blessing and power of God upon us, we can go into this world and continue the mission of God. A couple of years ago, my wife and I moved downtown in Edmonton and uh, we we're living uh, on a, in a high rise looking out over the river valley and we see the high level bridge every day, every night different colors on the bridge right now they're featuring the blue and the yellow from uh, from Ukraine to show support and I quite often walk across the bridge and I was thinking as I was walking one time you know if a section of this bridge collapsed would I feel obligated to get out in front of the traffic and say stop don't don't go don't there's the bridge is out well I think you would if you were driving and you saw it, you would probably position your vehicle so that no one could get by you on the high-level bridge so that you would stop the ones behind you who hadn't seen the hole yet. You would stop them. You would do what you could. You would feel that moral obligation. Well, here's the thing. We've been on mission to rescue people from more than that. The great decisions of life is in our hands the bible said there were the text we read we've been given the ministry of reconciliation god's calling us to be his ambassador his representative god is speaking through us come back to god and here at ellerslie we have the you know the invitation culture and 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 uh, we we want to uh, promote that right we want to invite people to come to faith in christ of course to do that you have to be praying for people first 
God's working. In John chapter 5, Jesus said, my father is always working. The, the closing song we're going to sing in just a few moments has got this captured into the words of the song. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You're always working. You never stop working, the song says. That's what Jesus said. My father is working. I am working. In John 3, Jesus said to Nicodemus, the spirit is at work. You know, here in Alberta, we drive the country roads in the summertime and we see the fields of grain. And every once in a while, a little puff of wind will come by and you see it go through the tall grass and you, you see the effect of the wind. You don't see the wind, but you see the effect of it. And Jesus said, that's how the Spirit works. The Spirit is working. Do you know, the Spirit's working on your street, in your family, at your workplace. Jesus is working. The Father is working. The Spirit is working. And now we just need Christians to tell their story of what Christ has done for them. I was talking with a missionary recently and we were having supper together and they were telling about when they were on the field before COVID and they had a little child and they were at the park and it was time to go and so they called their, their two kids to come to them and they came when they were called. And the the people that were there said, how did you do that? They said, well, what do you mean? Well, you, you called your child and they came. How did you do that? They said, well, and God gave them words in that moment. Well, I said, well, you know, we're, we're Christians and we follow the Bible. And the Bible says lots about how to raise children. Would you ever like to learn more about that? Well, yeah, we would. So they started coming to the house. That whole family, that other family came to Christ. Then they started telling their, a whole church got started in this one city because somebody had the courage to speak up because see, the God was working in people's hearts already. Jesus is working. The Father is working. The Spirit is working. And just need Christians to say, well, yeah, I, I know. I've, I've got something that could help you. Terrible things happening in Ukraine with the war, and we're just heartsick when we see it. When you watch it, I hope you pray. Don't just watch the news, but pray the news, right? You're praying for the people and praying for all the things you see. But here's a story that didn't make the news. There's a Baptist church in this town that wasn't having much outreach before. But when the bombs started falling, their church was the only place that hadn't been hit, and so all the neighbors started coming inside the church for shelter. And as they were in the church, they started reading the literature and started reading the signs on the wall and started asking questions. And, and now so many people in that one city have come to faith in Christ and are being baptized in the midst of war. See, God is working. Even in a terrible thing like war, where it's so heartbreaking to see it, God's at work. And so, you know, tell the story. Tell your story about what Jesus did for you. Our, of course, our Great Commission needs finances to make it go. And our bank statement, what does it reveal to us about our sacrifices for the church, the gospel? When you look at your monthly statement, what do you see? Me, 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 also me, more me. Where do you see church? Where do you see missions? Where do you see refugees? Where do you see feeding the poor? Where do you see caring for the lost? Our money shows the priorities of our life. And when you have a worldview, when you have the plumb line of God's word that's setting the standard for how you live your life and how you spend your time and your money, 
It follows. You don't need a sermon to say, give more. You just want to because you're on mission. You're part of this. And so to put people on the field requires them to be sent, to go. So we give and we sacrifice because we, we want to see the gospel go forward. Money is a big test for us. Will materialism win or will mission win? Money can buy you a house but not make it a home. Money can buy you a bed but not give you a good night's sleep. Money can buy you food but can't give you an appetite. Money can buy you medicine but not good health. And so the money that's been entrusted to us, let's use it wisely. When we're on mission, when we've got a biblical worldview... And of course, we follow as best we can with the Spirit's empowerment, direction from the Word, the plumb line of God's Word. But we stumble, we fall, we don't live up to our worldview, we don't live up to our values. And then we do what the Bible says. We confess our sins and God forgives us and restores us to fellowship. But sometimes we've blown it so many times that we start thinking, well, I sin over and over again and I endlessly promised myself to do better and here I find myself again in the same old dark place. I, I'm not going to change. That's when Jesus comes. See, he's reconciling. He cares about you and he calls us back and he says, I love you. You're my child. Don't ever believe that there's no way back. It's not true. Come back. Let's be in fellowship again. As Psalm 103 says, the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers that we are only dust. That's why church helps too, right? We're not called to be lone ranger Christians. And COVID has been so hard. We felt that isolation, that separation. Many of our BGC pastors are, you know, where are all our people? What's going on? Let's come back when it's safe. And the bad habits that we maybe developed over COVID, let's see that we're on mission. And so that means being together. And there's something that happens when the body's together. We sing, we worship, and there's this enriching experience that happens deep inside of us. So let me close with this little poem. Scripture says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so this missionary friend of mine wrote a poem, not very deep, but one that I've loved. Got to heaven at the end of my life, had a great time with kids and a wife, but God said, just one thing I want to know. What did you think I meant when I said, go? Let's go across the street. Let's go to the next cubicle at work. Let's go to our extended family. Let's give so that we can send others to go and tell the story on our behalf. Let's be a people that lives biblically, has a worldview that brings honor and glory to God. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we want to worship you and thank you today for the great plan of salvation. And dear Lord Jesus, how we love you and worship you. You came down. You humbled yourself. You went to the cruel cross for me, for everyone else. You took our sins. You really are the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, Lord, help us to realign our priorities, to realign our life, our worldview, so that we line up with you and love the things that you love and care about the things that you care about. May our heart be broken, Lord, for those things that break your heart. Help us, Lord, to follow you. We pray in your name. Amen.